collaborate to increase cash flow. Collaboration can be everything in business, but there are some dangers. Listen in as the two business guys talk about how to collaborate and how to increase your cash flow. Enjoy. This business podcast, The Two Business Guys Mastermind, uncovers for you secrets and share tips and tricks to entrepreneurship as they mastermind on how to have startup, operational, and overall business success so that you can go on to get better results. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, we're back. The two guys are masterminding. And, you know, we do this when we get together uh, every week. We will do so much talking about stuff that leads up to our main topic. And Rob was talking and I was getting excited. So I says, we better hit record on this, <laughs> uh, about uh, one of his upcoming programs, Cashflow Mastery. Right. Mm. And then and then he was talking about it. And I says, well, you know, what a that, that name doesn't really associate with what you're doing. He says, well, that's the work that's got to be done up to this. And then he hit on the point that we're going to be talking about today. And that is, you know, collaboration, mm. why it's important, why it's so difficult for your boy here and, <laughs> and, uh, and all that good stuff. We're going to be jumping into that. But Rob, at the last part of that, you, you mentioned something. You said, well, when you are faced with, based on coming through the class, understanding where your numbers are and stuff like that, as far as cash flow, but then understanding to get to cash flow, there is the marketing. Now, me, that's my space. I love this stuff. I'm I'm going like this. I'm agreeing like crazy. But then he says, and here's what you also have to uh, to understand is that you may need someone yes. to help you get there. Now, that's the collaboration part, and that's the that's the difficulty I've been having lately because I've been. You know, maybe I've been choosing wrong or maybe I'm the wrong you know, <laughs> choice, but um, some of my collaborations and, I, and I, I literally did a year of just really trying to get myself out of doing things myself, my own sandbox person, mm-hmm. right? the lone wolf idea, you know, solopreneurship exactly. and says, I am going all in on collaboration. Mm-hmm. And it crashed. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't want you to feel bad, Randy, as we've talked about many, many times off camera, this is not something that is easy. This is not something that, um, that, that, that most people are naturally good at. This is not something that even the people that are good at, that it comes easy for them, like collaboration and especially being the leader of a collaboration is a very difficult task, right? That's not what we are trained at as we grow up. That's not, we, we are more trained to be on a team than to be a leader. We are more trained to be, um, to, to, to negotiate everybody else's responsibilities and priorities and figure out how to move our time around their priorities and their responsibilities than we are understanding or conditioned or, or just naturally gifted at figuring out how to get other people to move their stuff around our stuff and figure out the points of synergy and the points of alignment. And I, it was so interesting when we began talking about this topic because, you know, we talked about collaboration kind of in, 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 in a bubble, but I honestly think that business in itself is a collaboration opportunity. It's full of collaboration opportunities. But one of the things that we have to make sure that we pay attention to is, right, while there are plenty of benefits to collaboration in business, there's also some pitfalls and some things that you have to watch out for. And I think that what you just talked about that year that you spent kind of trying your hand at this is, is really apropos. So there's a couple of things that, that, that are necessary. And this is why we start the, the, the delegation mastery <coughs> series off with cash flow mastery, because if you don't have a vision, right? For lack of a vision, the people perish, right? If you don't have a vision that's clear, that's defined, it makes it very difficult for everybody to know their roles. It makes it very difficult for everybody to be able to to adjust. It makes it very difficult. It makes it so that micromanagement is necessary. And that is possibly one of the most draining endeavors that one can engage in. Because instead of being on a team full of competent people who are collaborating together to make business magic happen, Mm -hmm. You're on a team of people who are waiting to be told the next thing to do. And one person has to manage all of the different jobs. Uh. That is like, you know, a nightmare. And that's one of the things why when an entrepreneur is trying to collaborate, 
you need to know what you're trying to get out of the collaboration before you ever start the collaboration. Mm. Oftentimes, people go into collaborations thinking that we'll figure out what we're going to do in the collaboration. And there, that can work, but that has to be it's a lot more difficult, right? Like that creative process, you see it with artists. They go into, a, into the studio and they may come out with nothing, right? And they, they just understand it's a numbers game. If I collaborate with enough people, eventually I'm gonna have something. But you hear the stories, right? Like, I, I don't know if you, if you listen to The Breakfast Club or any of the, the, you know, the, the little podcasts or whatever, but you hear Drake and Kanye going back and forth doing stuff and all the rest of type stuff. And there's just these collaborations, collaborations, collaborations. And a lot of them never see the light of day. Mm. And then you get those songs that blow up this features, but nobody talks about the fact that people collab all the time. And so when you're looking at, right, our, one of our favorite shows, Undercover Boss, I mean, Undercover uh, Billionaire, yeah. the key thing with Undercover Billionaire and the, the key thing with the collaborations that were there is that each time the, 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 the Undercover Billionaire collaborated with specific people with specific objectives in mind. Mm -hmm. And he, he allowed them, he or she allowed them to utilize their talents to achieve a vision that was already established. And while they were able to influence that vision, right, again, collaboration isn't one-sided, mm -hmm. there was a, a leadership element to it. And so the one thing that I, I think is important is as we look at collaborating, the first thing that you have to have is you have to have a sense of what is the vision? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get out of this? Are you just trying to get ideas? Are you just trying to get, you know, um, a, a, a set? Are you just trying to get set up so that you're in, um, in a space that you've got a, a task accomplished? Are you trying to get some sort of synergistic growth, right? Is it a long-term collaboration? Is it a short-term collaboration? There are a number of these questions that have to be asked before you even go seeking the collaborator. Uh, that's good. And, I, that's and good. I think that's the thing that trips a lot of people up. That's that's so funny, man. It um, you know, like I, I like to call our, them these things masterminds, right? So <laughs> yes, uh, because people kind of dig that, and then people don't feel like they're you know, uh, you know, being partners, especially if I've noticed that the other person that I want to have this conversation with is a solopreneur, lone mm. so, lone wolf type too, right? In fact, yeah. yesterday it was a guy that I had been you know I had I don't know I had funny feelings about, right? I mean, I was like, you know, like funny feeling. I was like, I don't know if I like this guy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. but then, then I started thinking, but why does that part matter when I believe by knowing this person, masterminding with this person, <laughs> I think some really interesting things could occur, right? And mm -hmm. we, we rubbed each other the wrong way. You know, <laughs> when we first met, it was like, I don't know if it was the male, you know, bravado, if it, whatever it was, right? But it was... Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was thinking I was trying to sell him on some things. I was like, no, I'm just trying to mastermind. Mm -hmm. No, because mm -hmm. that's, that, that was my deal. Right. But just on some of the things that I was presenting and he literally says, dude, I really don't need to be coached right now. Well, that told And, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way. Exactly. Right? So then so then, I, you know, a couple other times, you know, he corrected me on some things and I'm going, I don't need to be corrected. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. But exactly. then I, I finally, you know kept talking you know i shoot him a text you know what i mean every now and then to say hey man uh you know could you could you answer this question for me and this is a situation where i knew a lot about this particular area but i had to come in as if i knew nothing about it and and basically had to say will you you know mentor me on this particular area floodgate gates opened he started mm -hmm. talking. I started liking the guy better, right? Mm -hmm, and I got mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. extremely good pieces to a puzzle that was not totally complete. Right. Enough, but not totally. So that yeah. piece of collaboration, it was a little bit of a business collaboration on a specific topic. But it, again, had been difficult for me to collaborate because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I've got my, I'm in my feelings and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. So, so talk to me about how do you, or even do you have to have these kind of collaborations with people that, you know, you kind of feel, I don't know if I really care for this person. And I don't know why I felt that way. I just did. Right. Well, and I just gave myself a shot. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, no, no. I think there's a, there's a good point. And this is what a lot of people run into, right? And this is the, and I always say, this is the problem of the how before you get to the what, Right. So many people get stuck in trying to figure out the house or they're trying to figure out the person that they need to collaborate with. And they're trying to be creative in collaborations and they're trying to figure out what's the best collaboration that they can make and all this other type of stuff. 
and they're thinking about how before they've decided what they need to collaborate for. So before we got on camera, what we were talking about was, you know, one of the things that we do with business owners is we take them through their numbers because their numbers give them incredible insights about what they need to do to get what they to what they want. Yeah. So, for example, in my case, like you said, you know how marketing just makes you light up. It does not do that for me. Marketing <laughs> is that thing that I'm just like, OK, I know we need to do this. And while don't get me wrong, I love interacting with people and I love all the rest of that. I hate all of the things that lead up to that. Right. Like. Uh -huh. Bring me to a room full of people and I'm so in heaven. Make me guy. feel right. Bring me to a room full of people and I'm in heaven. Like I love being on the stage. I love engaging with people. I love talking to people. I love pouring into people. Make me have to fill that room up with people. So I'm I love my and I'm not liking it to them, but somebody's got to bring them. Exactly. Right. Like that's the whole deal. That whole process. Right. I don't mind doing a video. I don't mind talking to people. I don't mind responding to comments. I don't mind any of that type of stuff. But all of the other, you know, intricacies that you love, the funnels and the, the algorithms and the, the keywords and all that stuff that just like makes you light up. It does do that for me. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and here's the thing. Right. You and me and we have another friend, Chris, that uh that, that we sit down and y'all just, you know, get amazingly like, yeah, yeah, geeking out on yeah. marketing. And I look at you all like, what are these you know, like, like what, what's going on? Like right? <laughs> but here's, but here's the thing. I recognize that that's a strength that you have, but I also recognize that I don't have to like everything about business, right. In order to be a good business person. And here's the key. My numbers though, tell me that I need to be a good marketer or I need to have good marketing yes. in order yes. to make the impact that I want to make. Right. And here's where the dilemma comes in. And this is where collaboration needs to start. Once I realize that I need to do good marketing in order to make the impact that I want to make, I've got a couple of choices. Number one, I can decide I don't want the impact that I want to make. I can, I can, I can pare down my dreams, right? Which, you know, <laughs> I'm not about that at all. Could be all about manifesting greatness over here, right? So obviously, if we're going to stay at the same dream level, then I've got a couple of options. Either A, I can get better at marketing so I can just grin and bear it. And that's what I did for a lot of the beginning of my business. I just went and decided to learn and I got competent. But then I started realizing, right? And I've, I've heard this from a lot of different people. Dean Graciosi is the, 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 the one that comes to mind right now. But it talks about like so many people try to make their weaknesses into strengths. Yeah, and sure. that is actually a horrible recipe for dramatic success because you actually gain more exponentially on your strengths than you will ever gain on your weaknesses. Yeah. I was like, why am I trying to make marketing my strength instead of just collaborating with people who love marketing? Right. That just like and, geek out on that stuff. Exactly. And right. if I can give them a clear enough vision, they can go and do marketing and have an amazing time. And it's a win-win for everybody. I'm digging that, man. I like the idea that, you know, and, you know, this is some of this stuff is learned, right? Because I, I was reserved even and I can remember, you know, my high school years, I was reserved, but once you engage with me, then mm -hmm. I opened up, but I wouldn't necessarily go out and, you know, make mm -hmm. that first interaction. Now I right. do because right. that's a, it's a learned behavior and something. Exactly. That I, I exactly. And when you go back to that story that you just told about you and the guy, when you were trying to figure out what the collaboration was, there was tension because mm -hmm. there was no vision. There was just you all trying to figure out what you wanted from each other. Mm -hmm. Once you decided, here's what I need from this interaction, and that allowed you to say, here's the best way to go get that from him. And then amazingly, the collaboration went beautifully, right? It did. It did. It, 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 it delivered was, we, we talked tenfold on what you expected. Five or six times the, uh, in one day, talking about different examples, and he would send me examples of some things that he's doing in the marketing space. And I thought, man, that's brilliant. Now I knew what they were and I, I, I could look at it and like, um, you know, reverse engineer it in my mind, go, mm -hmm. oh, that was this, that was this. I see why you're saying that. But at the same time, it's almost like I appreciated him simply because even though I knew the information, hearing it from someone else and says, well, and then I showed him a couple of examples. He says, yeah, he says, in what is out there, he said that it wasn't clear. Right. So I looked mm -hmm. at it and said, you know what? It's not clear. But mm -hmm. because I was in it and writing it, right. it's like um, a, a copywriters. We hear this all the time, whether you got like, a, you know, the Joe Polishes of the world, mm -hmm. talking to the Justin Brookses of the world. Uh, you know what I mean? You got these folks out there that are doing this. And then you hear them because I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I hear them talking mm -hmm. to each other and you can see one guy is extraordinarily accomplished in this area. But then you'll hear something from the other person. And go, 
Yeah, I never thought about that. Exactly. Right? It's like, that's interesting. Exactly. So high level achievers in a certain area, but then somebody's bringing a new uh, perspective or a certain way that they do something. And I've exactly. seen these guys. So we, when we think about, um, you know, some some type of business collaboration, like examples, right? I, I remember mm-hmm. watching Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, right? They came together. Now, Joe Polish uh, has um, the Genius Network, and he mm-hmm. gets people in at high levels, right? It, mm-hmm. It's $25,000 a year just to be a part Mastermind. of Mastermind, yep, yep. Right? Yep. But then again, Genius Network. Then he, But he has people that come in, man, that like, I sit there and I'm just going, man, I, I stink because these guys are, are you know, they've been doing it for years, but nonetheless, exactly. they're just so, so good. But when you hear them collaborate and then when they spin up these business collaboration ideas, mm-hmm. right? And they're not necessarily using a lot of, you know, uh, business collaboration tools or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, here's how you structure it, right? And now here's the tool you then use to apply it. Exactly. And I'm sitting and there going, right. I got all the tools. I just right. needed some of those one things. To know how to use them. Yeah, we I, we talk about this, right, with our entrepreneurs and with, with our students in general, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, even in my time, Mastery Mastermind, one of the big things that that, that, that is, is interesting about that core group is that generally the people that come to that mastermind are actually high achievers, right? Mm-hmm. They're not people that struggle with getting a lot of stuff done. They're people that struggle with wanting to continue. They know that they're close to burnout. They know that they're dealing with, you know, the fact that achieving at a high level is no longer rewarding or fulfilling anymore. And the one of the reasons is they have all of the tools, but they don't know how to use the tools to get to fulfillment. They know how to use the tools to get to checking the boxes. They don't know how to use the tools to get to fulfillment. And always, you know, the, the, the analogy of a hammer and a chisel is a tool in, 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 the, in, the, in the hands of, you know, somebody that was on a chain gang back in the day, it was used to make take bigger rocks and make them into smaller rocks right but in the hands of michelangelo it created the david right like the it, it's the it's the person that's using the tool it's not the tool and so we have a lot of collaboration tools there's a lot of online collaboration apps and there's a lot of them that we use in my company like ClickUp is an amazing um tool yeah we've i've used um what's it called i've used uh trello boards before i've oh, yeah. used um uh you know in in the in the project management space there's jira and there's you know and 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 and, and different things like that what i've been what using teamwork lately are. and it's really, right. really good right right teamwork is awesome and then you got a, another one that's out is like monday.com or something like that right yes. there's a number of these things these collaboration tools that are out there but something that you said that was really really powerful was when you get back to the to the basics of everything, right? What happens when people start to collaborate is that there's this this tension that's there. And you talked about it from from, from you and the gentleman. And I want to really hone in on the fact that one of the reasons that there's so much tension and collaboration in the beginning is because for many of us, there's an ego issue that we run into, which is if somebody else is adding to me, then that means I'm deficient, right? Right. And right. this is, you know, Carolyn Dweck has the book um, Growth Mindset. And this mm-hmm. is one of the things that I talk to people about so much. We are conditioned into a fixed mindset. School mm-hmm. sets us up for a fixed mindset, right? The workplace and, and, and the, the idea of you either got it or you don't. You're either born with it or you're not, right? And, and you're either smart or you're dumb, right? And the way that we get the way that we get grades, the people who make the least amount of mistakes get the highest grades. Now, here's the crazy thing. If you go into a class and let's say you're in fifth grade and you're reading at a ninth grade level, mm-hmm. you can stay at a ninth grade level, make no progress in that year, and you'll have an A the entire year because that's the way our grading says <laughs> set, set up, right? True. Growth doesn't matter. It's what did you have when you got there. However, similar situation, you're in fifth grade, but you're reading at a third grade level. If you come out reading at a fifth grade or sixth grade level, right, if you move up from below grade level to on grade level, mm-hmm. your grades will actually be lower the entire year because you'll be struggling, 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 and then you'll finally get there. And none of that progress will be captured in your grading. 
None of that progress will be captured. You won't be the person that's getting awards, that's getting applauded, that's doing any rest of that. And so we're conditioned from a young age to have a fixed mindset, but you have to have a growth mindset and understand that failure is just a stepping stone on the way to success. We have, and, 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 and it's so important for entrepreneurs when you're looking at collaboration, right? Um, there's, a, there's a famous, you know, apocryphal story about Henry Ford because they, the, the joke was always that Henry Ford wasn't very intelligent, which yeah. is a yeah, joke that, that only, that, right? It's a joke that only poor, poor educated people can make, right? Like, like <laughs> you're, you're not very smart. And Henry Ford was like, okay, ask me any question you want to ask me. And, I know the story. And, and, and the guys, you know, they came in and they, 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 and this was a, you know, a newspaper that was coming to do this. And they brought in, you know, some like, what's the capital of Uzbekistan and all types of different, you know, just, just questions to, to really stump them. And for every question, he said, oh, hold on one second. Come here and answer that question. And for every question that they had, he had somebody on his team that could answer that question. Yeah. He had a person. Exactly. And he was like, you think you're smart because you have all of this stuff in your brain. I have in my brain what's what's necessary to be able to fund an organization where I can have on speed dial a person that can answer any question you could ever ask me. And my salary is a lot more than your salary. So which one of us is actually the smart one, right? Henry Ford understood the nature of creative collaboration. He understood the importance and the benefits and the advantages of collaboration. Andrew Carnegie was another person that, that lived that life. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. It takes a very strong, a very self-assured, a very confident person to be able to be in a room and understand that I don't have to be the smartest to still be smart. Right. That's It's one of those things where when it was up to me to try to understand this guy a little bit better. And the reason why was because I just felt I could learn if I can get past my feelings. Right. And you said something key, man, um, that oftentimes, sometimes there's a feeling of deficiency and that makes you, you know, and th that, that may have been the tension both ways. Right. So you, somebody's rocking out some good stuff and you go, they're looking at you like, man, he knows a little bit more to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you know, you're looking at that person right now. Nobody's talking about this yet because yeah. we got the we got the mail thing going. Right. So <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Uh, but we know we probably could be good together collaborating. Right. A, a, in some kind of situation. But somebody has to decide that they are not going to be the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. They're not going to start. You know, this is what I do. And this is what I make. And this is what I know mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I just decided to shut up and let myself be poured into. Yes. That's what it really came down to. And then I asked yes. a specific question and I, I was very strategic and I just said, listen, man, you know, could you mentor me on this? You, you know, you know, a lot of good stuff instead of me coming back, how, you know, we normally do is saying, well, oh, you know this, you got that tool. I got this tool. Right? Exactly. And then exactly. what happened by the time of our, by the end of our interaction uh, in our mastermind, right? I was able to, because now I have all of these different tools, I was able to say, oh, from that piece of information, I can use this to amplify it. I can do mm -hmm. this, put it here, that last couple of pieces to the puzzle. Exactly. From literally deciding to work together, you know what I mean? Deciding to literally come together and say, hey, listen, Here's and then and then he, he asked me a question. He says, "Hey man, you know, show me what you were working on, right? Show me what you were working on that you're having so much trouble with. Why you mm -hmm. keep asking these kind of questions?" So I showed him, and he says, "Yeah." Then he just was was able to look at it and go, "Well, you know, this right here is that way. Try this." Then he went out and found some information, right? That I had been mm -hmm. I had I saw it in some of my tools. I had used it, but I hadn't clicked on that particular. It was an article. He said, well, you know, from this article, you can see some of the problems, see some of the situations, grab those things. This is stuff I know. This mm -hmm. is stuff I teach. Mm -hmm. But I have been so close to the deal. I'm, I'm in this, you know, uh, this was we happen to be building out a landing page to, you know, earn money. Mm -hmm. And he's in the same space. Right. So and this landing page wasn't earning me any money. Right. <laughs> Not the kind that I like. Right. So I says, you know, I need some help with this or I need to kill the idea. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he's, he looked at it and says you know I kind of see this as this but I had been approaching it another way right because in my mind I thought I was selling one thing but he looked at it and says well I'm getting the sense that you're selling this 
Yes. I thought, that sells too. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and then he says, well, here are some articles I was able to pull up relative to that subject matter. You know, check these out. You see what I mean? Now, mm-hmm. this is stuff again. I teach, I show, yep. I tell people all the time, but because I was a little yep. too close to it, that collaboration, that collaborative work that we did on that, you know, uh, on that uh, on that day just mm-hmm. opened it all up for me. Now I pulled it out, did the things that he was talking about, and I was like, yes, yes. now it works. Now, here's the funny thing about that process, and I'm writing this down so that I don't forget what I was going to say. <laughs> the, the funny thing about this process is, and this is what, right, this is what I had to really work to overcome, mm-hmm. because when you're high, when you're a high achiever, when you're, right, for me, I was always smart, right, that was, that was, that was my, that was the pillar that I stood upon, right? Skip fifth grade, graduate high school, I'm 16. A I'm a smart guy. So it was very difficult to not be the smartest guy in the room for me. That was something that I really struggled with. And especially because I had imposter syndrome and I dealt with perfectionism, right? I'm a recovering perfectionist. We've talked about this a, a number of different times. So in that space, it was always difficult to allow myself to feel like somebody else was better at something mm. than me because then again, that fixed mindset, that idea of you're not good enough really worked deep, deep, deep in me. And the funny thing is that in overcoming that, that's what gave me the kind of eureka moment that started everything that is the Legacy Leadership Consulting Group and Thrive Nation and all the things that I do. Because what I realized was leadership, right? What I thought leadership was, was being the best. Mm -hmm. And what I learned that leadership was, was actually facilitating the manifestation of greatness in others. It was getting the best out of other people. Mm. It's not about your best. Your best has to be sufficient enough to bring out the best in others. And if you can do that, then you can be a great leader. You don't have to be the best one in the room. And so one of the funny things about what I talk to my students about now, I don't walk, I don't, I don't promote myself as in as super smart or super educated or any of that type of stuff. Um, with my students, because that's not the important thing. As a matter of fact, one of the things I always tell my students is you've read the same books that I've read. You've been to the same seminars that I've been to. You've been, you know, all the stuff that I'm about to teach you. I'm not about to teach you anything new, but you just point, you just hit to it, Randy. I'm going to help you to understand why you're not using the things that you know. I'm going to help you to see the blind spots that you have, because I have a different perspective. That's the value that I bring to my students. And what it allows for it is allows them to still be the intelligent one. It allows them to still be like the smart person to not have to diminish themselves in order to learn. But it also makes sure that they get the benefit of the collaboration that we're having, that it's an obvious benefit. Right. And so because so many high achievers and so many of the people that we want to collaborate with, so many of the people that are amazing at what they do, they struggle with perfectionism or some, some form of, of an ego deficiency to where in order to be a true creative collaborator, in order to be a true person that builds right great collaborations, to have the best collaborations, you have to be someone that allows people to feel safe being their best, right? That allows that. someone to feel safe expressing everything that is that is who they are and if they feel threatened on an intellectual front that's not going to happen and i remember there's uh if if, i I know you've probably read this book too jordan peterson's 12 rules for life there's a rule in that book where he says treat everybody as if they know something that you don't Mm. and i think that it's so powerful your curiosity will then right exactly start and start asking hey you know i need to get to that what 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 do they know Exactly. And, and, and so you treat them in a way where you're not kind of dismissing what they bring to the table, but you're recognizing that everybody has a life, has a lived experience that's different from yours. And therefore, you can learn from everybody that you encounter, no matter what their station or status is. And if you can understand that, then you can create collaborations anywhere with anybody. And just like you said, the guy didn't tell you really anything that you didn't know. It mm-hmm. was his perspective that helped mm-hmm. you. It was his perspective that was the missing puzzle piece. And if you've ever done a puzzle, you all know this, the way this works. A puzzle missing one piece is not a complete puzzle, and it will annoy you all day long. And you'll be like, I did 999 pieces, but where's that one piece? And your thousand piece puzzle is not done, right? Exactly. And that, <laughs> that's one of the things I had to open myself up to, right? And then now again, the 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 things that I find myself going through, you just help fill in. So everybody, if you're listening to this and you say to yourself, yeah, I'm not collaborating, you know, give us some comment on that, right? What do you, what do you think? 
does, you know, what about the team members of people that you have been or, or a team you've been placed on? Tell us about that. What has been your experience with collaboration? Are you thumbs up? Are you thumbs down on collaboration, right? Um, are we addressing some of the issues that you believe can get you over the hump? Because what I'm hearing are, is on stuff that can get me over the hump, right? Is get me to thinking about, like Rob said earlier, you know, what was the what was the feeling of deficiency that had you feeling, you know, tense, right? And that's hard sometimes to admit that, yeah, somebody knows something I don't until we switch it and says, wait a minute, somebody knows something I don't, and I just have to meet them. Now you get right. excited, right? So right. then you can think about your collaborations as important, right? Yes. And then you yes. can start saying, how can I define successful collaborations so that I can grow my business, grow my money, take time off the table and stuff like that. This is the part I'm telling you as entrepreneurs that we get it backward. We believe, <laughs> like Rob said, we got to walk into this thing and we're going, hey, time out. We are, I'm the best. Everybody else sit back, right? I mean, Rob, mm -hmm. you, you, you're in the, uh, as you call it, you were a, a, a former Marine or you're always a Marine. <laughs> I, a Marine I know the Marines Marine. always right. say that there is no other service out there. So <laughs> other people in the service, don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> but within your units, you know, and I think you were, we were talking before and you had been credited with bringing together disparate groups into mm -hmm. a co cohesive team, mm -hmm. right? Into a team that needed to do some things. Now we have to turn that to business. So I can see how you parlayed that into the business space, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious about this. And this is, this is one of the, one of the things I think some people might want to hear about. And again, guys, you know, you know, put your stuff down in the comment section, man. You know, what are, what are your thoughts on this stuff? I mean, are these two guys, are these two business guys full of canal water? Or are we on or something? <laughs> if we can help you get over this stuff, you can start including people into your organizations that can help you, right? Um, doing it together as mm. opposed to everyone in silos. We hear that all the time. So, so Rob, when you're going into a company, right, and you're mm. going to evaluate, you know, my background, of course, is in... Um, you know, managing organizational management. I got a master's degree in organizational management. And I would mm. find that very thing. You go into it and boy, do you see the silos immediately. <laughs> yes, the silos has a couple, have a couple people in it. But yet the goals of the organization are not being met. But mm. people within their silos are feeling safe and feeling comfortable and they don't like the other silos. What do you do to literally break it apart, make mm. people see that they need it. I mean, see mm -hmm. that they need it. Typically, we have found that a crisis makes people come together. Do you create yep. these mini crises? Yep. And so, yes and no. Um, I think that it's really important to, like you just talked about, to recognize that on the surface, people look like they're comfortable, like they're safe, like they're good, but they're really just surviving. Because there's a tension that's permeating every silo, which is we know what the numbers are saying. We're not reaching, right? And so we know how companies have to deal with not reaching metrics, not reaching goals. Then there's layoffs, there's people to get fired, all mm -hmm. the rest of that. So everybody's living on edge because here's the interesting thing about silo life. In silo life, all you can do is do your job and hope that the definition of your job is sufficient to keep you in it. Mm. So that if you stay competent, then they won't fire you. But what we know for the last 40 years of, 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 of business history is that there's a whole bunch of competent people that still get fired, right? <laughs> yeah. it, there's this myth that the reason you get fired from your job is because you're not good at your job, uh -huh. right? Like there's a whole <laughs> generation of people who have been fired from their jobs who were good at their jobs, but they were too costly at their jobs, right? Uh -huh. As people started aging, as people started going up. And so... So one of the things that we go in when I, when I go into companies and we, we, we talk to leaders about, especially mid-level leaders, is understanding the whole game. And so what, what, I, what I like to call is kind of, it, it gets into data collaboration, right? What you want to look at is what is the data telling us? 
about everything. And how do we make sure that the data from finance and the data from operations speak to each other? How do we make That's sure good. that the data from sales and the data from finance and the data from operations speak to each other so that they're telling the same picture? Because what we found is that generally when we go in and we start looking at and, and really investigating in the C-suite, and so we get sales, then the director of sales or the VP of sales or you know, the, 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 chief, um, the, 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 the chief sales officer, right? We get that person there and we get the director of finance or the CFO, and then we get the COO. And what's interesting is they're looking at different metrics to run the business, mm. but there's no correlations across silos. And so yeah, sales can, can be thinking that they're doing an amazing job. They've increased sales. <laughs> selling 400%, everything. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But they've increased sales 400%, which also resulted in operations being at 200% capacity. Right, right. Gosh, that, and then, man, that is so important. Right, right. And so then they get into this space where operations is now defaulting on sales obligations, not because operations isn't doing its job. It's actually performing at 110% capacity, which mm. means that operations is doing a, a, a bang up job. But because sales went and sold 400%, it, to the customer <laughs> and to the sales department, it looks like operations is the reason why we're not making money. And it's like, right. mm, that's the bottom right. 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 I got you. And then all of that's problematic because finance is over here saying we can't support the um, and finance and, and the human resources are over here saying we can't support the sales or the operational team that's necessary to manage that sales because we can't find the people or we can't hire at that. We, we want to be at this level of, 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 of um, salary. And so it's not, we haven't gotten the, 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 the financials worked out to say that it's worth this much to hire this many people to meet that. That'll, that'll, that'll mess up our long-term plan. And so these groups are fighting against each other instead of collaborating with each other because they're not looking at the same data. And so when we go that in- That's so key tell the story. We make sure that everybody comes out of their silo. We break it all down and we look at it. And this is where, and for smaller businesses, right? A lot of times what'll happen is there's stuff that's going on in the small business owner's head and the rest of their team doesn't understand how everything is meshing and mixing. And they're normally the one who is the finance and the sales at the same time. And so they're doing stuff that they don't realize is making it harder for their team to actually deliver and therefore, then they stop doing sales because the team can't deliver. And so now the revenues go down and now they're trying to figure out how to pay stuff. And what we do is we literally in our cash flow mastery program, we go through and we look at the books. Mm. So cash flow mastery has more than just a financial component to it. You're oh, looking yeah. at the thing. This is where you're trying to get to. Then here are some of the other steps. And I would assume that you're the um, the leadership mastery part of that comes in too, right? Because mm -hmm. you've got. Um, you know, several different businesses, right, yeah. under the same house, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I've heard, you know, time, time mastery, cash flow mastery, leadership mastery. Mm -hmm. But I would assume yep. that these work synergistically, right? So yes. that's a collaboration, right? That's a team collaboration. You exactly. got to have everybody on the same page. So then expand on that a little bit. If when you're going in, how do you find where's the resistance? Where are right. people saying, I just don't want to work together? You know, I just don't want to be managed. You know, I don't want to be a part of that membership. I don't want to do this. Do you bounce them? No. no, no it, well, it's not that simple. Most people are not saying I don't want to do that. Most people are saying I don't understand what you're saying and what you're saying looks scary to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And in understanding that and recognizing right, in, 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 in organizations that we go into, because, you know, we deal with <clears throat> we deal with everybody from the individual right? Intrapreneur, the person that's a professional working in a business all the way up to, you know, billion dollar companies. And, but there's different problems at different levels. When we're dealing with the, the, the staffs and the people that we're deciding, right? Personnel. One of the things that you have to be clear about is most people are not in their jobs only trying to do this much because that's all they want to do. Most people want to be a part of something bigger. Most people want to be part of something that is, is going somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Jim Collins in, in, in Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 talks about, and he says, you know, in a vision statement, people are naturally aspirational and you can get much more effort and much more you know, um, uh, contribution from people if you send them towards something grand than if you just give them something basic, right? Mm -hmm. 
but one of the things that we struggle with that a lot of leaders struggle with is it is a misunderstanding of the resistance. A lot of times they think that the resistance is to doing more and that's not the case. The resistance is to doing more in an unsafe space because doing more in an unsafe space means I put myself at risk more. Gotcha. Right. And nobody wants to put themselves at risk more because especially when you get to mid-level management and upper level management, those people have families to take care of. Those people have obligations. Those people have it, it's it's about more than just them keeping this job. It's not their ego. It's real responsibilities. And so if we're going to make people feel safe as leaders stretching out in places where they're going to make mistakes, we have to recognize that we have to create a zone of safety in those collaborations. We have to give them, and part of that safety is clarity. If I know what it is you're asking of me, it's a lot less risky for me because I know either I can accomplish it or I can't accomplish it. But if I don't really understand what you're asking of me, now I'm trying to read your mind, which is something that I know I'm not good at. Uh, that's good. That's good. And I, I that. know that if I get it wrong, I'm going to be held responsible. Man, that's good. I love that. So you guys, if you're listening to that, you know that that becomes, again, the solution, right? If you can do things in a certain way, if you can understand who is, where the clarity is, right? And then find your aspirational opportunities there. I love that idea that people get behind a, and this is a vision. Yes. Right. It's something that, um, you know, I've been listening to Naveen Jane, 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 I can't say his name right. Yeah, but I've been listening to him lately. And he says, you know, again, you never have to sell. You never mm -hmm. have to sell. You talk about where you're going. Aspiration. Exactly. exactly. Talk about what you're trying to get to. And, and of course, if they have a belief that you can get there because, well, he's a billionaire. Right. So they mm -hmm. kind of go, I've seen you spin up companies. And he says, every single one of the companies that I've spun up have made over a hundred million dollars. That's a significant number. He said, but he never goes in and sells. He says, this is what I'm doing. Here's why it's so important. And people yeah. start calling him up and saying, I've got some tools for you. Right. And I love the story that uh, I was listening to. He says, we were trying to get to this one specific thing. And he says, this lab had been working on it for 20 years. Mm. He says, and, and he thought that it wasn't out there in society. It wasn't being worked on, but it was secret. It was being worked on in secret. Mm -hmm. And they called him up once they heard what he was doing and says, well, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that you can use mm -hmm. to get. And it was like, all of a sudden, they said they started having scientists, you know, quitting their jobs or, or coming over and saying, I want to work on this too. Right. And he spoke about the 20 year guy, guy had 20 years working in one area. But once he found out what uh, Naveen was doing, he says, I'm coming. Exactly. You know, what, what needs to happen? You know, he's going to get a paycheck and be OK, but it was more about the vision of where this is going. Then he says, I, you know, next thing you know, he's got all of these super smart, super accomplished people. And what that what happens then that attracts other super smart. He never had to sell the thing. Yeah. Right. He just yep. explained where, where, where they're going. And I love that idea that. If you have that leader, and I can understand the importance of the leadership mastery, right? And I can understand mm -hmm. the, the importance of, okay, leaders, we make sure that you've got good time mastery, mm -hmm. right? And then you start saying, if you can combine all this stuff, run a company, we met, might want to look at the cash flow and make sure that that's good too. Exactly. Right? You got any more masteries in there? Yeah. yeah. So, the, so the whole program <laughs> in and of itself is, and, and it's a journey that we go on with entrepreneurs to really... To, to break down their business and to take it and to create it into something that is a collaboration, right? And it's an opportunity for collaboration with great people to build the dream that you have. It's called delegation mastery because so many entrepreneurs have a dream that's way bigger than what they can alone accomplish. Their dream was not to create a job where they just had a job doing something that they like, right? That wasn't the big, that wasn't the big issue. For those people that have that, <clears throat> their collaboration is really easy. They hire out the people to do the services for their business, like the accountant, the bookkeeper, right? And maybe a marketing person. And then they just do the job. But for those business owners that are really trying to build something big, that are really trying to build something that's transformational, that really see, that have a vision, what they have to understand is that there's four main components that they need to master 
in order to truly be able to delegate, right, which is to empower others to act on your behalf, right? That's the definition of delegation, to empower others to act on your behalf. Mm. And so in order to do that, first, you have to understand your cash flow, because here is the number one thing that business owners struggle with, right? If there's not enough money to take care of everything, then I'm dealing with a constant level of stress where I can't think about nothing else, right? So cash flow mastery is number one. The second thing that we then teach business owners is time mastery, right? Because before you can lead other people, before you can work with other people, you got to master your own time and understand how to set time boundaries and how to prioritize and how to understand what's important mm -hmm. to you and to maximize what energy you use and what time you expend mm -hmm. in, your, in, the, in, the in the same 24-hour period that everybody gets. The third thing that we then do is talk to people about personnel mastery. How do you become someone who becomes a engaging and empowering leader? How do you become the type of person that people want to work for, that people desire to be in your space, to, to be on your team? How do you become like Naveen Jane who can create an environment where people are knocking on his door saying, can I work here? Mm -hmm. Instead of where you got to go find people. And then the last thing is, how do you, you know, kind of cultivate and develop that environment? And that's systems mastery. How do you make it so that what you're doing today, a year from now, you're doing it 40%, 50%, 60%, 100% more efficiently. How do you improve? And that's about having systems. Peter Drucker, the famous you know, uh, management consultant, written like 100 different books. Yeah. But one of I his used books- I to he, devour those books. <laughs> exactly, oh right? And so one of his books, The Effective Ex Executive, he has mm -hmm. this quote that it was just, I mean, it blew my mind when I heard it. He said, systems and routines allow people without discretion and judgment and experience to accomplish tasks that would have taken near genius before. Uh -huh. And so when you think about all of the business owners, they're like, man, I just can't find anybody that's like me that does the work that I do in order. Yes. And you're not going to, and it's uh -huh. not necessary. What you need to do is create systems that allow somebody who's not you to perform like you, right? Uh -huh. The genius of the McDonald's brothers was that they were able to create a system that teenagers could run efficiently and effectively and deliver a great product. That's good stuff, right? And that's the whole idea when I hear, um, you know, I got my undergrad in, in, in business administration, right? Mm -hmm. And then I used to always wonder, I said, what are the people over there getting their degrees in business management doing, right? <laughs> you know, administer business, manage business, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, but it really all keeps going back to collaboration. It yes. really keeps going back to how you, um, you know, spark your team members to action, you know, and of course this is working together. You have to find the means by which to get over all the ego stuff to get all the, you know, get past the emotional and the feelings of deficit and not that kind of that person smarter than me. And I've been the smartest person forever getting past that stuff so that you can get to this aspirational outcome. Right. I, I think what we're talking about today uh, is so key for you guys, when you're listening to this, to start looking around your business and asking those questions, you know, how can I, who can I work with? You know, where do I find them? How do I collect them together and then give them that safe environment to work with it? Right. And how can I give them a vision, come up with a vision together, obviously, and then that we can got, then go work toward it. Right. So everybody knows, hey, this is where we're going. Hey, sales, what are you doing? Working toward that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Operations, what are you doing? Working toward that. Exactly. As opposed to, yeah, we're doing this one thing and we're trying to make sure that, no, we're working toward that. So exactly. I think I got to work with them to get to that. Exactly. That's the good part, man. I remember I had gone into an organization and they were having some difficulty with a department. And I don't know what it was, man. The people like to give me the hard departments. And, <laughs> and because we had a whole, they had a whole bunch of individuals in there, right? Doing mm -hmm. their own thing, smart in their own way. You know, some were lazy in their own ways. And the first thing I did was says, well, here's what we're trying to get to, mm -hmm. right? Manage, it was like managed by where we're going, right? Mm -hmm. Goal management, as opposed to people management. Exactly. And that's the whole idea. It's like, well, here's where we're going. Uh, I know you're smart and I know you do what you do. I know you're a hard worker, right? How do we get there? What are your ideas right. on that? Right. right. And I can't right. remember times where one, one, you know, people were say, man, just tell me what to do. Exactly. Right? So it's, it's not about telling you what to do. 
is saying, how can you do with what you do to get us to here? Exactly. What does that and look it's, like? And it's, it's requiring more from people. And, and a lot of people are not used to it. They're used to being told what to do and just going and doing. And they and, have been for years. But here's the thing. It's not what they want necessarily. It's what they know is safe. Mm-hmm. If and, and here's the thing that I want you to pay attention to, you know, if you're out there listening, because this is a conversation. Randy and I had this all the time. But this point is so key. If you're in the leadership role anywhere, there's a there, there's a paradigm shift that we've got to make as leaders in understanding how business is, is organized. We often think that we pay people to be excellent. And I need to disabuse everybody of that notion right now. <laughs> we don't pay people to be excellent. And if you don't, if you if you if you think I'm wrong, right? And and and, and here, let's do it, let's do a poll, first of all. Just just in the in the comments. Do you think that we pay people to do their jobs? Thumbs up that we pay people to do a really good job at their job or thumbs down. If you think that we pay people to be competent as in not to get fired. Uh, All right. So in the, I want to see what you all think because, and and, and you can change your vote after you hear me, hear me talk about this. Nobody will know. Right. So (laughs) at the end of the day, when, when we go in and a lot of leaders think, well, this is your job, you're getting paid. You need to be working hard and trying to do more. And, 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 and it's like, but wait a minute. I did that for a year and John did what I'm doing now. And me and John make the same salary. So why am I working harder if John going to make the same amount of money that I make? And what we have to realize is that in business, we don't pay, right? We can't pay what somebody is worth in the business because that's not an effective business model. There has to be some sort of synergies that we gain, right? And if we paid everybody exactly what they were worth, then there would be no profit margins to continue sustainability and there would be nothing to cover over the people that are worth less than the people, right? The, the, the whole thing would fall apart, right? Plus it's, in, it is, it's super difficult to calculate. And here's the most important part. There's another way to pay people other than monetarily. So the monetary pay is what we do and we, it's easy to figure out what's necessary to pay somebody that is competent. What's necessary to pay, right? If you look at job descriptions, they talk about what you need to be at in order to not get fired. And so we pay people for not getting fired. Isn't that something? That's what their salary is. Now, here's the interesting thing. What we know is that bonuses and everything else and all other types of compensation and perks and environmental cues and, you know, counseling and, 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 and de- de-stress chambers and, and coaching organizations and ping pong tables and all that type of stuff comes out of people being excellent and therefore us having profits. But here's the gap. Here's competence. This is what we pay people for. Mm-hmm. And here's excellence, what we want, what we desire, what we need in order to accomplish all of our biggest desires and our dreams. This gap is what I, go, what I talk to, to my clients about. That's the leadership gap. That gap is the place where you can lead people to be more than just competent. What Randy was just giving you an example of when he would go into organizations and say, here's where we're trying to go. You are capable. Help me figure out how to get there. That's leadership. It's pouring into people. It's calling out their inner greatness and it's giving them an opportunity to shine. When we do that, we can get excellence. And it happened. I mean, once I, you know, came in and says, now here's the GPS, here's the destination. Right. And I says, I may be fuzzy on the, how we're going to get there, but you guys have been working in this organization for this amount of time. And I remember, man, the day once the guy, I got, got the guy passed. No, just tell me what to do. And he starts saying, I said, this is a, you suggest, recommend, right? And we decide on, we try it. And they had never been approached that way. It was always top-down management, right? And I was bottoms-up management, right? Having worked in a variety of areas, right? Exactly. Being the guy that drove a forklift. Right. Mm-hmm. Being the guy that, you know, then rolls out of the plant and into um, in, into the office. Right. Where it was air conditioned <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yep, but yep. still being able to go and go into the plant and do all of the work. Right. Mm-hmm. But now being able to say, hey, listen, this bottoms up approach is better simply mm-hmm. because it gives you choice and yes. it gives you autonomy and it gives you the opportunity to you know, take that choice and autonomy and then create within the department, Mm -hmm. suggest by suggesting 
And then now yeah. we act on that and we see, man, we were hitting record numbers, record numbers. Right. And, I, you know, I still even have some of this stuff around here every now and then, you know, if I'm talking with somebody, I'll, I'll have to you know, prove it. Here's where <laughs> they were. Here's where we ended up and exactly. all the people that we helped in between based on that approach. Now, you said something key, man, and I found myself in a similar situation, whereas when sometimes people aren't secure in their feelings or they have a feeling of deficit and they see that success and then they start feeling away. Mm-hmm. Right. They start going, man, you know what? I, I want to be the I'm, I need to be the smartest person in the room. This guy is just crushing it and the numbers are showing. So I need to right. you know, dampen that. So you may run into that, everybody, right? Out, when you're out there in that organization, you're shining, you're the diamond, right? Someone's looking <laughs> at you like, well, we need to throw some dirt on this diamond. What's going on here, right? Right. You have to, you have to deal with that, right? You know, before we go, Rob, how would a person deal with something like that? So they're going to, they've decided to shine. They've decided to, okay, we're still going to do this within a collaborative approach, but I, I just keep rising to the top. My ideas are, are working. Do they eventually leave? Does someone come in and take them? Do people throw the dirt on their diamond? <laughs> How would they deal with that if they're faced with those kind of situations? So, so, so let me make sure I'm understanding the question. So, so they're a star. They're a star. They're so trying they to do to great things collaboratively. But now they got to work collaboratively. Well, here's the interesting thing, right? And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan from Die Hard. I, that, that, that was my thing. So Michael Jordan is my favorite. He's the GOAT. He's all the rest. And Michael Jordan was a star from the day he walked in the league. Everybody knew, like, that's the dude. Right. That guy, he's going to be awesome. But he needed teammates to create a dynasty. Right. He needed the best out of those that were around him to create a dynasty. Now, we can discuss how he got the best out of those that were around him. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, all the stuff that he did. But nonetheless... When he was able to understand him, this is one of the things Phil Jackson talked to him about, right? Michael, we don't need you to score 50 points a game. We need you to do things that are going to make everybody else better. Because when you just go shine, then everybody just watches you. But when you allow other people to shine with you, Mm. now they all shine and you shine even brighter. Because we know you're going to pop out fourth quarter. It's going to be good. But we need the team for the other three quarters. So be and a that, star, but help right, other people shine. Right. Because by, by being the star on top of a shiny podium, you're that much brighter and everybody's attention is drawn to you. Whereas when you're just a star by yourself amongst the sea of other stars, right? There's other people to look at. Like there were other phenomenal basketball players in the league during the time Michael Jordan was playing. Like he wasn't the only, like there was Larry Bird, there was Magic Johnson, there was David Robinson, there was Shaquille O'Neal, there was um, (laughs) Isaiah Thomas. There was, I mean, there was, there was a list of guys that were good and there were upper echelon top tier. Like if you look at that, that, that period of time, the the bulk of the top 50 players in the league came from that eighties to nineties group. Right. And so it's not that Michael Jordan's, light shines so much brighter individually right there were lots of guys that 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 shined as bright as he did during his time dr j was a guy that shined just as bright as as michael jordan did in his time people were awed at the stuff that dr j did just like they were awed at the stuff that michael jordan did Mm -hmm. but one of the interesting things about it and i don't know why it happened this way but i do know that dr j won one championship and the bulls won six if Michael Jordan had only won one championship, we wouldn't be talking about Michael Jordan the way we talk about Michael Jordan. And it's so funny. And the coach won 11. Exactly. <laughs> right? So if you think about the vision caster, right? The Naveen Jane of basketball, he won with different players. And if you think about it, here's, a, here's another piece to bring it all home to what we talked about. You don't got to be the smartest guy in the room. Phil Jackson, even though he played in the NBA and was on an NBA championship team, could not hold the shorts of most of the stars that he coached. Sorry, Phil. If he was playing in the league, he wasn't nowhere near good enough 
Like he was a bitch player when he was on that Knicks team playing behind Willis Reed and playing behind all those, those other stars. Right. When he was um, when they won that championship, like, don't get me wrong. He's in the NBA. So he's obviously a good basketball player. Like, Mm -hmm. like this is not saying that Phil Jackson sucked. He didn't, but comparatively (laughs) Phil Jackson was a seven, eight, ninth guy off the bench. (laughs) And he coached Shaq and Kobe and Michael and Scotty and Horace Grant and right like he coached some of the best players in NBA history incredible two championships incredible. he didn't have to be one of the best players in NBA history Phil Jackson is not on the list of top 50 top 75 probably top 500 players in the NBA yeah that's love uh, that's that's great stuff man I, I think about that now that we're in like thinking about basketball there was a player was a Robert Ory they ended up with all those championships because he would just shot go, yep. go from team to team. And he was like, look, I'm about collaborating. I'm about coming exactly. in, applying my specific skill set, right? And then winning because exactly. I decided to collaborate, you know, mm-hmm. and, and within this, this collaboration, this team collaboration, I can win a lot. His his fingers are full. Exactly. Right. And he Houston, did it LA, team to team San to Antonio. team to team. He found places where he could collaborate. So think yep. about your business, guys. We're going to we're going to close this up. But you'll think about your business and find those pockets of collaboration, those times where you can mastermind, mm-hmm. you know, and let it grow you. Let it grow you. Let it grow your bottom line. Yeah. Right. And, and the numbers and all that kind of stuff. And and when you when you're ready to come into uh, Rob's you know legacy leadership and all its family of opportunities and um you know once you once you're ready for that jump on in right sometimes even before you think you're ready mm-hmm. jump on in because he's going to get you ready and once you start thinking in the right way it becomes a game changer your Definitely. business is transformed and if you're the business guess who else is transformed and if that's what you want if you're serious about this then jump on in. This is not a yep. sale. This is a tale. Yeah. And it's up to you. Right? And I want to leave them with this last Andrew Carnegie quote. Would you rather have 100% of your own effort or 1% of the efforts of 100? I'll do the math. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate <laughs> you today, brother. You too, brother. It's always a pleasure.